Man, oh man. Listen, if this is your first time here, it's going to be a little different today. I like to pride myself on the fact that I'm probably not the smartest. Listen, there's no probably to it. I'm not the smartest preacher in this community. I'm not the most eloquent speaker in this community. But I like to think that I'm one of the most practical teachers in this community. So what I want you to do is I want you to leave every Sunday saying, man, he taught about this subject. And and then he gave me the ways from the Bible on how to implement that subject. We, We covered everything from marriage to finances to how to have great sex, all in between because you know why the Bible talks about all those things. But I also think every now and then you got to step back and you just got to remind yourself of how good God is. We serve a good God today. We serve a loving God today. We serve a God who loves us not where we should be, but right where we are. The Bible says he picked us up out of miry clay and he set our feet upon a rock. And I could ask for a show of hands and I could ask people to stand up today. And all day long we could stay here till dinner time with people sharing stories of how good God is to them. Now in a church like this, we have a lot of people who are jaded when it comes to God for good reason. They're not jaded because of God, they're jaded because of Christians. They're jaded because of the church. And maybe on the surface level, they don't see how good God is. They're here because somebody drug them here. They're here because they have nothing better to do. Maybe they're here today because they just want to see the freak show live and in person. Welcome to Action Church. But you just need a reminder every now and then of how good God is. I wrote a whole message this week on God is, and I don't want to give you the topic because I might come back to it in later weeks. But we're going to spend the next month just talking about the characteristics of God. But I I kept going back because the problem is when you start thinking about God is blank, God is shepherd, God is dad, God is father, God is almighty, God is provider, God is counselor, God is the beginning and the end, God God is the father, the son, he's the way, the truth. When you start filling in all the blanks, I always just go back to an old sermon I preached. And I keep everything on my computer. And I can always tell the last time I taught, and I haven't taught this message in a little over two years. So those of you that have been with me forever heard this message about 10,000 times. Someone asked me one time, they said, you're the only preacher I know that repeats messages. I said, well, the fact of the matter is, we run people off so quickly around here and cycle new people in, they don't realize that they're repeats. I said, second of all, all those preachers you love, they're repeating messages. They're just smarter than me. They rebrand it. And I said, third of all, do you ever complain when we sing the same worship songs over and over? The truth is the truth. And sometimes, especially when you're a simple preacher like me, I only got about three good messages. I got to recycle those messages every now and then. And this is my favorite because it just reminds me of who we are and who he is. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is when God called Moses to go free his people, the children of Israel, from slavery by the Egyptians. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Moses said, who do I say sent me to do that? Like when I'm standing before Pharaoh and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm here on behalf of, who who do I say has sent me? (laughs) And God said to Moses, Exodus 3.14, he said, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. He said, I am has sent me to you. Man, that verse gives me goosebumps. He said, I am that I am. He said, I am whatever you need, whenever you need it. Depending on what you're going through in life or what you're dealing with, that's who I am at that moment. 
We love to put God in this box and put a nice bow on him, and we want to explain him. And the fact of the matter is God is who he is when you need him to be who he is. There's times that he's your strength. There's times he's your support. There's times he picks you up and carries you. There's times he provides for you. There's times he feeds you. There's times he encourages you. There's times he simply is there as you're brokenhearted. He is who he is, and he is who he is when you need him to be who he is. That's who God is today. And I think it's easy to forget that. I think that we forget who God is. I know that sounds weird, but it's kind of like a new car. Anybody ever had a new car? And it's got that new car smell. And it's got that new car wash. And it's the new car. And nobody can eat in the new car. Nobody can drink in the new car. Nobody can lean up against the new car. Until the first time somebody eats in the new car. Then everybody eats in the new car. The new car's kept clean until the first time it gets dirty and maybe you're a little too busy to wash it immediately and you get used to the dirt on the car. We begin to take things. How many of you remember, men, how many of you remember the first time you met the woman you're with? Raise your hands, raise your hands. You better raise your hand even if you don't remember. Now, I know in a church like this, this didn't happen till your wedding night because you were all got it together. But the first time y'all were together for the night and you got up the next morning. Boy, you got up that next morning, went to the bathroom, and you made sure you picked up the seat. And you brushed it, you made sure you cleaned up the sink. You made sure, man, your underwear wasn't laying. You made sure you, you want to make a good impression. Now it's been five years, ten years. Chuck and Laura, 723 years. <laughs> you ain't worried about picking up the seat no more, picking up after yourself anymore. You forget those feelings you had in the beginning. It's not that you don't care anymore. It's just that, that we get used to some things every now and then. And as crazy as it seems, I think it's so easy that we get used to how good God is for us. When we didn't know God, he knew us. I told Jeremiah, I said, I knew you in your mother's womb. God knew us and he shaped us and he formed us. And as good as God is, we have this tendency to forget about him. We, we, we're really good about remembering God when things aren't going great. Let sickness come along, and boy, we remember God. Let our marriage start to fall apart, and boy, we remember God. Let the car break down. We don't know how we're going to pay for it. Oh, oh, man, our prayer life goes home another level. Let our kids go off the straight and narrow, and we remember God as we're calling out to him. But it's in those times that things are good. It's in those times that when things are clicking, we begin to forget that God is in charge. And we think we have something to do with the fact that life's going good. We just forget the goodness of God. And here's the deal. I don't want to beat you up today because that's nothing new. It happened to the nation of Israel. They were God's chosen people. Yet when the going got good, not one time, not two times, every time the going got good, they forget about God. They forget that they're in the position they were in because God put them in that position. They got to the point that the country's prospering and it's thriving And suddenly they don't think they need God because, man, they got it figured out. And God, like God, has a tendency to do. The Bible says God is a jealous God. 
God says, you will have no other gods before me. And, and by God, that's anything you put in front of God. Your marriage can be your God. Your money can be your job. Your career can be your job. Your children can be your job. When you begin to put anything in front of God, God doesn't like that. And God has to come along with that pimp hand every now and then and slap you down. I said, what's the pimp hand? That's the opposite of what Will Smith did. Will Smith should have went there pimp hand and backwards. Get out of here. Man, God has come along and remind us how good he is. My favorite chapter in all the Bibles is Isaiah 45. Because I always say when God says something once, you better listen. When God says something two times, you really better listen. When God says it three times, four times, five times, When God keeps reiterating something over and over and over, you better pick up on it real quick. And in Isaiah 45, he he addresses the nation of Israel. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, guess what? It's going to be on the screen. Don't lose any power up there. Someone said, I wish we had the lights on where we could just flip through our Bible. They're up here. They're good. They're inspired. They're inerrant. They don't lose their meaning when they're not on thin paper. You're okay. By the time you got there, we'd be moved on, so why don't you just roll with the screen? Lord, people find anything to complain about. Isaiah 45. We're going to hang out there. We're going to go to verse 5 and look what God tells them. I am the Lord. He said, there is no other He said, in case you have forgotten who I am, I'm the G-O-D, capital G, and there is no other. He said, you might think there's some like me, often imitated, never duplicated. I'm God. Apart from me, he said, hey, apart from me, there is no God. He said, so you can put anything you want to ahead of me, I'm still God. And there is no other. Then he comes back in the very next verse. He said, oh, by the way, in case you forgot, I'm the Lord. It's me again. There is no other. He said, I'm God. I know things are going good for you right now. I know you're prospering right now. I know the crops are looking good right now. And the country's got a lot of power and you're building and you're getting a little full of yourself. But let me remind you who I am. I've just learned every now and then you've got to remind people who you are. The problem is people forget who you are sometimes. They mistake, Al Capone said, he said, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Because if you're unkind to me, the, the last thing you're going to see is weakness. God said, hey, don't mistake my goodness for weakness. I'm still God. I am the Lord and there is none other. He said, let me remind you that in verse 5. Let me remind that in verse 6. He said, let me go on down a few other verses in verse 14. Now, we're in the same chapter now. And he said, surely God is with you. There is no other. He said, it's me who is with you. You think you've gotten this position because of your wisdom? You're an idiot. You think you got here because of your hard work? I gave you the strength to put in that hard work. He said, surely God is with you and there is no other. There is no other God. You think he's trying to get a message across to them? I think Israelites, though, were a lot like us. I don't even want to throw y'all in that thing because y'all are better than me. I think they're a lot like me. They were dumb. They didn't catch it the first time. They didn't pick up on it the second time. It wasn't the third time, so he comes back a fourth time. Verse 18, he said, I am the Lord. Hey, idiot. There is no other. He comes back in verse 21. He says, there is no God apart from me, a righteous God. And the Savior, he said, there is none. Let me break that word none down for you in the original language. It means none. Nobody. 
but me. He comes back in verse 22. He says, man, I am God. There is none other. I mean, Israel is thriving, and they've walked away from God, and God comes along with that pent pan, and he says, I am God, and there is no other. They needed to be reminded, be reminded of their identity so they could remember who they were. They were God's chosen people. He says, I'm God, and there's no one else. God is blank. How about this today? God is unlike any other. But that's a little too proper. That sounds to me like what an educated person would say. That sounds to me like someone who moved out from the north and moved to Woodstock would say. He is God and he is unlike any other. But I didn't move from New York. I didn't move from California. I was born and raised in Decula, Georgia, back when Decula, Georgia was graduating class of 141, and I graduated 139 out of 141. I didn't go to big theological seminary. I went to Country Bible College and failed preaching 101. Uh, No, failed preaching 101. Failed it so bad, they called me in the dean's office. They said, man, we're glad you're in Bible. I said, thank you. I love it. They said, what are you thinking you want to do with your life? I said, man, I think I want to be a pastor. I want to go start churches. They said, no, God didn't call you to do that. I said, oh, really? They said, yeah. I said, why? They said, man, uh, uh, number one thing, a pastor, he's got to be able to preach. I said, oh. They said, you just need to get along with God and figure it out. So I went to Country Bible College, failed preaching 101 the first time. So God is unlike any other. Don't connect with me. So today, how about we just say it this way, the way I think God admitted in the Gary Lamb version of Isaiah 45. He just said, ain't nobody like him. He said, I am God. Capital G, capital O, capital D. And ain't nobody like me. He said, there might be some who come along and try to be like me, but ain't nobody like me. He said, there might be other people who come along and point you to other gods, but I am God, and there is none other. There's nobody like me. People say, well, can't we just worship our higher power? You can worship whatever you want to worship. You can go worship a freaking tree if you want to. But there's only one God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father except through me. I remember in Bible college, someone said, I believe in reincarnation. I'm going to come back as a tree. Gary, if you could come back as someone, would you? I said, I'd come back as a dog where I could pee on you. I said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. I think you just forget today. There ain't nobody like him. I mean, we serve a God, and nobody's like it. I, I get it. It's not proper English. But sometimes they're just got to throw it out. Ain't nobody like him. There's a lot of counterfeits out there. There's a lot of wannabes out there. There's a lot who've come on the scene and tried to be the G-O-D, but there's only one. Ain't nobody like him. I mean, as you read this book, and you see story after story, there ain't nobody like him. I could point to some of you today and say, hey, in two seconds, tell me your story. I was this, this, and this, and this, and this, and boom, met God, ain't nobody like him. 
I was strung out, about to lose my family. Boom, I met God. Ain't nobody like him. My marriage was on the, skid, on the skids. It was over. Boom, God got in the middle of it. Ain't nobody like him. Man, I thought I was going to lose my children, and God came along and changed their lives radically. Man, we thought we were about to lose our home, but we gave our finances to God, and boom, ain't nobody like him. I'm here to remind you today, just in case you forgot, the problem is sometimes you mistake the bare feet and the blue jeans and the loud music and, and the dark room and the fact that we meet in a grocery store and it's so chill and it's so laid back and, man, that we open those doors for that. You forget the fact that we're smoking what we're selling around here. We know it's good stuff because we fired it up. We've tried it. We've tried others. We've looked for that peace and that purpose and other things. And it's always brought us back to God, and ain't nobody like him. I mean, if you go through this book, there's story. I mean, you can go and find that woman in the New Testament who had an issue of blood. I don't know if you remember the story. She had an issue of blood, and there was crowds around Jesus, and she had so much faith that she knew if she could just touch the hem of his garment, God would heal her. And she finally fought through the crowd, and she got her hand through there, and right when he's walking by, she touches the hem of his garment. Boom, the power leaves him. It heals her, and you ask her, hey, lady, what do you think about him? I think she's saying nobody like him. I mean, you go back, oh, listen to me. You judge mental person, especially those of you secretly watching online. You go back and you find that adulterous woman, and she's being mocked by the religious. You know how many husbands she's had? Man, she's shacking up with right now, and even her husband. And you go back and Jesus punks them out and forgives her and you ask her, Hey, lady, what do you think about him? I believe tears coming down her face, deep sobs, the, 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 the conviction of knowing she's been forgiven. She say, ain't nobody like him. I, I'm just trying to tell you today, man, you can't catch Silas and he's in prison He's preaching the gospel. He's done nothing wrong. And he's fastened to the walls of the prison. And he begins to sing praises to Jesus. He's singing. He's shouting. He's praising in a time when you wouldn't be praising. Suddenly the shackles fall off his arms. The prison doors open up. And you said, Silas, what do you think about him? He said, I'm free. Ain't nobody like him. I mean, I think so many times back to Peter. If you remember, Peter was one of the disciples. And when Jesus was being crucified, he denied knowing him three times. He feels like a failure. He feels like a loser. I can't imagine the guilt. He's beating himself up. He says, man, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to be because I messed up where I was. He's out there fishing. He looks out on the ocean. Here comes Jesus. He looks at him. He doesn't forgive him one time. He don't forgive him two times. He forgives him three times. He lets him know, I've forgiven you for every action you did, every time you denied me. Hey, Peter, as you go out and you spread the message of Jesus Christ all over the world after that, what do you think about him? He'd say, ain't nobody like him. I was reading a story. I want to preach on this story so bad. Man, I was finding just verses, just Hooks in the middle of the story that I was reading in my private time this week about that demon-possessed man. I don't know if you remember the demon-possessed man. The Bible said they were scared for him to come into town, and he was chained on the outskirts of town, and no one would go around him. And he had so many demons in him that when Jesus came along and he cast out those demons, they went into 2,000 pigs. That's how many demons were. The demons flung into 2,000 pigs. So many pigs, they, over, they went over the streets. That's in the Bible. Yeah, the man was so demon-possessed. The demons get cast out into pigs. They go over. And then the Bible says he's walking around town holding his hand. he got his kids beside him. He's singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. Holy smokes, he's good to go. And he's praising Jesus. Now, ain't that that crazy man? Hey, crazy guy that was outskirted, was cast out of town. Now your family's back together. What do you think about him? All he could do is smile. He's holding that wife's hand. He's got a kid pulling on his leg. It's like ain't nobody like him. I mean, you go to the tomb of Lazarus, and Mary and Martha, they're broken hearted. 
Their brother's been dead so long, they told Jesus, don't go in there, the body stinks, and Jesus rolls up in there. Nobody stayed dead around Jesus. He brings Lazarus back to life, and you go ask Mary and Martha, what do you think about him? It's saying nobody like him. I mean, the disciples are fishing at night, and a storm moves in. The storm's so dangerous, the storm's so bad, that they literally think their ship's about to be torn apart. They look out on the water, and here comes Jesus just strolling on the water. Seas calm. What do you think about him? They weren't worried about proper English at that moment. They were like, good God Almighty, ain't nobody like him. I mean, think about Stephen. We talked about him. He's preaching Jesus, and he's preaching Jesus so hardcore, they begin to stone him, throw rocks at him, and kill him. And as he looks up, he sees the heavens open up, and the last words out of his mouth, I believe, in the Gary Lamb version. He said, Ain't nobody like him. I'm willing to die for him. That's what he said. I mean, think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in a fiery furnace for for standing up for their faith. They open up the furnace. There ain't three men. There's four men there. Jesus is just chilling in the fire with them. When you go through the fire, Jesus will always be there. Somebody say amen. You know why? Because there ain't nobody like him. You've forgotten that. You've gotten over what God did in your life. You forgot that at your core, you're a sinner who deserves a place called hell. And that's not preached in churches anymore. But imperfect things don't go to perfect places. The Bible said for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says our sin keeps us from God. The Bible says the payment for our sin is death. It's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death in a place called hell. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. But Jesus came along and he paid the price for our sins. He paid a debt he didn't owe. Because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. That might be cliche as hell, but the bottom line is ain't nobody like him. And you've forgotten that. Daniel refuses to bow down. They throw him in the lion's den. They look over to see if he's dead. He's petting that lion like it's a cat. What are you doing down there? Cat's hungry. Ain't nobody like him. I mean, I just think you forget how good God is. I think you forget. He said, I am that I am. Let me tell you some of the names of God. He he, he says, I'm Papa. He said, I'm Lord. He said, I am the mighty one, the creator, the deliverer, the holy one, the Yahweh, the provider, the peace. He said, I am righteousness. I am judge. I am king. I am lawgiver. I am redeemer. I am shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, the alpha, omega, king of kings, lord of lords, beginning and the end. And ain't nobody like him, and you've forgotten that. Sounds good, Gary. How's nobody like him? It's one thing to say there's nobody like you, but what makes nobody like you? He lays it out here in this verse. The first thing he does, you need to understand in your life, is he scouts the trail. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Before you got up this morning, God was ahead of you scouting the trail. He was ahead of you clearing the path. He was ahead of you making a way. He was creating a path where you could follow. God scouts the trail. Look what it says, Isaiah 45, where he says it over and over. Ain't nobody like, he says, I will go before you. I will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. The king just says, I will go before you, and I will make the crooked places straight. Ain't nobody like him because he scouts the trail. You don't know where you're headed. God said, don't worry about it. I done been there. You don't know what the future holds. He said, I I wrote the future. You're worried about it. You can't see around the bend, and God's up there like the bushwhacker, man, just clearing the path. Hey! Come on. But I can only see the next step. Then take the next step. That's the problem. You want to see 20 steps down the road. He says, I'm scouting the trail. I done been up ahead. There's going to be some dangerous Kylie. You know what I'm about to talk about. So we go, where's that place, Christine? Edge of the world. Anybody been to edge of the world? We go to edge of the world. We're calling down the trail. 
and the trail ends. And you've got to climb up on some rocks. I'm like a panther. I'm like, really, I'm not because I'm scared to death of heights. So I'm holding on to the tree. And I'm kicking stuff down. I'm trying to stay on the path. Kylie don't need to stay on the path. Kylie going to go his own way. And Kylie's own way would step on a rock that sent him about 30 feet down a cliff. On his feet, he never fell because he's a pimp like that. But he felt it the next day. Didn't even drop his Yeti cup. He wasn't going to drop that liquor. <laughs> Crazy. Should have stayed where the trail had already been blazed. Get off that trail, man. We go down the hill. He scouts the trail. We serve. He, he's a God today we're singing about. I'm going to hurt some of your feelings right now, but that's okay. And I ain't, ain't going to force you to do it because we ain't going to force you. I, I don't know how you have corporate worship here and you stay seated. I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't get nothing out of it. You don't get nothing out of it because you don't put nothing in it. Did I say that? Or is your feelings hurt? Because guess what? You can stay seated. It don't affect me. I'm back here. Ask Rich. I'm I'm 10 years pastor in this church. I about came through the curtain today when Tammy started singing. It was on like Donkey Kong. And you sitting there on you. Like, I don't know why some of y'all come to church because the minute you sit down, you get on Facebook and social media. Does it make you feel better to walk in the door and say you were at church? You can check your phones at home. I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying you're wasting your time. When you've got a God that ain't nobody like him, he's scouting the trail. He's going to win ahead of you. You ain't went nowhere today that he wasn't yesterday. He's a God worth singing about. He's a God worth shouting about. He's a God worth serving. I, 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 listen, I love sports. I love competition. And I, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. What would happen if we got excited about church on Sunday morning as we do the fact that Duke and North Carolina playing for the first time in the history of their rivalry in the tournament? Who cares? They didn't die for my sins. Guess what? If Duke won, or did Duke did win, right? Duke, Duke lost. Guess what? I don't care. Don't affect me. Don't care. Some of y'all watching you, the brave, great, great. Who cares? Good for Freddie. Go get paid. If you got as excited about what God's done in your life as you did, the, and I'm not anti any of that stuff, man. I'm a mark. Listen, stone, literally, because I'm redneck. So, like, y'all worried about the Braves. I'm worried, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin came back after 20 years on wrestling last night. I'm staying up. I'm, I'm, I'm like a little kid jacked up. So, I get it. But why do I? I enjoyed it. But yet, I come to church now like a lump on a log. Something's wrong. Something's broke. I'm not saying don't have things that get you excited. I mean, I, 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 listen, I have more fun asleep than most of you have awake. I love life. I love getting excited about things. But I'll be dang if I'm going to get more excited about idols than I am God. Are they idols? They're idols when you put them above God. He goes before so we can come after I don't got to lead the way. People, some of y'all are like, it, it, it's weird. It's a delicate balance as the pastor because I want to keep you in the loop because I feel like pastors are disingenuous and they don't keep people in the loop and they're dishonest. So I've been keeping you in the loop. Probably going to lose the building soon. I don't know. I don't know what soon means. Tomorrow? Two years? I don't know. Five years is soon to me. But I, like, I'm taken back by how stressed some of y'all are over it. I, well, that's the plan. There ain't no plan. We'll worry about it when we lose it. Right now we got it. But here's what I know. I don't got to be the trailblazer in that. 
God's already moving the pieces for whatever's next. You think God's surprised? You think God ain't got another place? I told you, I'll throw up a tent. We'll meet in a tent. I done started the biggest church in the area. My ego don't need it anymore. I don't care. I'll do it with 10 people. We'll do it with 400 people. I don't care. Because I know God's in control. And when I try to start figuring it out, things go sideways. He ought to be leading the church. And if he's not leading the church, go find a church where he's leading. Just being honest with you. Scaster, put that verse back up, Xander. I will go before you and I will level the mountains. Woo! He said, I'm just going to level them. You just stay on the path. You go where I'm telling you to go. He reminds me of, like, I don't, know how, I don't know how you picture your God. I know we're all going to Talladega Nights right now, right? I got a picture of my God with a tuxedo shirt on, front man for Leonard Skinner. In this context, I picture my God, he's like Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. He's got like a big machete, and he's just going through the woods. Hey, mate, come on! He just, you don't see a path, but he's clearing the path. Y'all, you can see he's the next step. He's like, don't worry, I'm already five feet ahead of you clearing it out. The problem is you want him a mile ahead. Why? You don't got enough faith to take the next step. So what would it matter if he was a mile ahead? You want to see everything. Guess what? If you see everything, it don't take faith. (laughs) He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. I look back over my life, man, and it's amazing to me how God brought me to him. And make no mistake about it, God brought me to him, not the other way around. I shared, I just shared it recently, so I ain't going to share it again. I mean, God radically changed my life with a little five-foot nut and Cherokee Indian preacher telling me I was going to fry like bacon. Putting his place in. Man, I've never been the same. I've never gotten over it. And I don't ever want to get over it. He scouts the trail. You think when I moved here 17 years ago, I was 28 years old? You think my vision? You think my vision? You think my vision <laughs> was the pastor in an old grocery store in the poorest part of town? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I was more interested in building my kingdom. I wanted the thousands coming, and they came. But all that was just setting me up to be here. He scouts the trail. He knows where we're going. When I don't understand it, he understands. And you know the great thing about the trail is the minute you get on the wrong trail, he's still up ahead. He said, don't worry, I'm going to get us back over there. Don't worry. You said, I messed up. It don't matter. It's a detour. He's going to get you back on the trail because he scouts the trail. He knows where you're going. Ain't nobody like him. I know who I am because I know who he is. Scouting the trail. I used to trail run. I know you would never believe that looking at me. You know me, though. I go through phases. And I went through a trail running phase. And anybody knows that when I go through a phase, I go all into my phase. I have to have the best of everything. So I know a lot about trail running. Best shoes, best places to run. But as I ran trails, I learned real quickly. This sounds real elementary, but believe it or not, a lot of people don't do this. It's a lot easier to trail run when you stay on the trail. The part that people have already went ahead of. Because they know the safe ways to get around the edge of the cliffs. They know the safe way to get over the river. He scouts the trail. Why are you trying to blaze your own trail when he already says, come on. Good day, come on, mate. Is that, is that Australian? Okay, it is in my world. In my head, it sounded Australian. 
swinging that machine. He, you wouldn't be anywhere today if God hadn't been there yesterday. Ain't nobody like him. So not only does he scout the trail, John Hunt would be proud of this message that all starts with the same letters. He supplies the treasure. He scouts the trail. He supplies the treasure. Ain't nobody like him. 45.3 says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. Why? So that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. God says, I'll go to places you didn't even know existed, and I'll give you things you never even dreamed of. Don't miss this. That's not just talking about money. It's talking about life. When God calls a man to do, he's already written a check. He's waiting on you to pick it up. I never told him this story, and I'm going to tell it to him right now. And I'm going to probably embarrass him, and I don't want to, so I'm going to be real careful because I don't ever want to tell him who did it. I was picking on John Little today. I said, man, how did you get her to marry you? Does anybody know Stacy? Y'all know Stacy? Like, she's so sweet and so nice. And John's the mayor. I'm not saying that's good or bad. He's just saying he's John. I had the honor of doing their wedding. Greatest wedding ever at a brewery. It was awesome. No, I'm serious. It was awesome. I've known John a long time. Stacy was good for him. And after the wedding, we ran into someone. Remember what I'm going to say? We said, didn't see you at the wedding. I was at the other ones. They hit with me. You know why it hit with me? Because when I married Christine, my sister said, well, I'm going to go that way. And I already went to the other ones. Insulting. It's not going to last. They're not going to make it. No, 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 no. He supplies the treasure. The Bible says he who has a wife has a great treasure. He was scouting the trail. God gave that man her. Because God, there ain't no other way he'd have her. Hidden places. And gives you the things you don't even know about. He supplies the treasure. God supplies what we need. Guess what? This building that we're going to lose one day, you're sitting in a miracle today. Really, it's a miracle. There's no way in the world we should have this building at the price we have this building. And we've had it for 10 years now. And we prayed over this building. We met in the field. If you don't know, we met next door. And they would not give us this building. It was empty. And they wouldn't give us this building. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And then we just began to kind of take it over. Like I began to store stuff over here. And then I knew like we had the whole building full of stuff. And God gave it to us. It's a miracle. And guess what? I'm going to tell you something. We can't afford this building even at its cheap rent. But God supplies every month. Every month I'm like, oh, the rent going to get paid this month. And every month it gets paid. And God supplies because he uses you. God supplies a treasure. You ain't went anywhere today. He went with yesterday. Ain't nobody like him. God's never, make this very clear, God's never failed me in supplying. Christine and I have been together almost nine years. We've been together nine years? Almost nine? I got it right? Coming up on ten? No? How long have we been together? That's married. How long have we been together? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Early on in our relationship, we made the decision for her to quit working. I've never been with a woman who worked. I've never worked a job where I got a paycheck. It was kind of cool being married to her that on the 1st and 15th, money came into the account. It's like, that's a miracle. How do you, how's that happen? Oh, you go to work. I get it. Got it. We made the decision to quit working. 
Emmeline was in elementary school. I think Luke was three at the time. She didn't work her entire adult life. Family told us we were crazy. They told her she was crazy. We knew God was telling us to do it, and we quit. She quit. And we never did without. God provided over and over and over. COVID hit, and she lost her job. We made more money that next year than we'd ever made in our life. God provides, my point. You're operating in fear, and God said, I'm going to provide. Some of you don't know how you're going to make the next whatever's due. God's going to provide it. I don't know how. But he says, look what he says. Put those verses back. I'll give you hidden treasures. They're hidden. You've got to have faith. Riches store. He, listen, she may know. He's going to provide for you. I don't care if it's the right spouse, the right career. He said, I'm going to provide these things for you. Some of you are living your professional life enslaved to a job you hate because you don't have the testicular fortitude to step out and do what God told you to do. But he says, if you'll step out, I, I was already going to take care of you. I just, he said, I've written a check. I'm just waiting for you to come get it. Man. Ain't nobody like him. Last and we're done. So he scouts the trail. He supplies the treasure, and he specifies the traveler. Specifies the traveler. Put that verse up, Xander. I need a pre- Lou, stand up for a minute. Lou got that preacher voice. Where Lou at? Stand up, Lou. Lou, stand up. Read that verse for me. Not, Lou, I want you to read like a preacher now, loud. Like deep voice. Like I want I want people to feel like, man, they're gonna fry like bacon just from hearing you read it. Read that verse for me. Stop, read that part again. One more time. You can sit down. We don't even care about the rest of the verse. Hey! Ain't nobody like him. He said, I summon you by name. He scouts the trail. He supplies the treasury. And he specifies the traveler. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God shaped you. And he formed you. And he created you. And he took you through your mess to prepare you for your greatest ministry. And he's got a calling upon your life that only you can do. He summons you by name. He specifies the traveler. When you didn't know God, he was calling you by name. When you hadn't even entered into a relationship with him yet, he was just sitting back waiting. He said, I got plans for that one. He's going to be a hard-headed one. I can make it so much easier for him. He's going to have to learn the hard way. Oh, but when he learns, I'm going to use him. And if he don't ever learn, I'm still going to use him. And when everyone gives up on him, I'm going to use him. And when the speaker starts humming... He said, I'm still going to use him. Thought someone was about to blow up. For the sake of my servant of Israel, my child, I summon you by name. He said, I bestow on you the title of honor. Look what he says. Oh, you don't acknowledge me. They ain't even to the point of turning back to him. And he said, I still chose you. You can run from God all day long. He's the master of hide and seek. He'll find you. He'll release a pack of wolf dogs on you, track you down. How many of you ever tried to run from God? It sucks. Like, it's horrible. 
Man, he'll release those hounds of heaven on you, and they will track you down. You can cover your scent. You can cover your trail. They will find you. God has called you. God has a purpose for you. Here's the deal. The world says you can't be used. Literally had a guy on my Facebook the other day. I posted a quote from a pastor who had fallen and had been restored. He's pastor of church now. This guy's just blasting him. And then he turns it on me. I guess he didn't know my story. He said, ain't that right, Gary? I said, I said well, man, I didn't want to punk the guy out publicly. You guys were already like a pack of wolves on him. So I said, I said man, you know my story at all? Uh-uh. Okay. I said, you got this thing on your computer called Google? I said, go Google it. 30 minutes later, I was blocked. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that guy don't determine what I'm supposed to do with my life. He ain't God. Uh, I... This sounds real arrogant. I don't, I don't want it to. But I know God called me to Canton, Georgia 17 years ago. And when everyone told me to leave, God had not released me and I wasn't leaving. Now, let me also go ahead and enlighten you on this. I pray every day that God releases me. I'm ready. I'm ready, for, I'm ready to move on, being honest. I want to go to Montana and fly fish every day. I never even fly fished in my life. I don't even know how to do it, but I want to do it. It just seems fun on Yellowstone. That's what I want to do. But he ain't released me yet. So that's why I don't worry about this building because God specified the traveler. I don't know what contest in hell I won. But this is what I got. And God called you by your name. And he specified you. And you have a unique calling on your life. And when your unique calling gels with my unique calling, and it gels with this person's unique calling, and all of a sudden the body of Christ is all using their unique calling together in unison. There's power in that. You know why? Because ain't nobody like him. I am the Lord, your God, and there is none other. Some of you have forgotten that today. Some of you just needed a reminder today. Ain't nobody like him. That's good news. And if you're here today and you don't know him, the greatest decision you can ever make is to give your life to him. Put your faith in him. There's no fancy prayer. I know that was taught in the church for so long. No fancy prayer. Just I put my faith in you and what he did. He scouts the trail, supplies the treasure, specifies the traveler. Ain't nobody like him.